Ladies and gentlemen, here to deliver the most famous words in motorsports, representing today's United States Armed Forces, please welcome Petty Officer First Class William Kimberl, Petty Officer First Class Andres Reyes, Petty Officer Second Class Aaron Schwartz. Gentlemen, start your engines! All right, another episode of the Upspeed Podcast, ready to go. Tyler Head, Dalton Mullinax with you as always. And I know I said on the last episode that this episode would be our annual Speedy Awards. Well, so much has happened in the past 12 days that we're going to have to push that back a little bit because we've got a lot of news to talk about. Um, and I'll start right off. It has been 12 days since Kyle Larson won the Cup Series Championship. Does it feel like it's been a month? Because it kind of feels that way for me. Yeah, it's you know it's weird because like anytime you don't have a or this way I feel anyways. Anytime we don't have a race on the weekend, you're just like you just sit around. And you're like, wow, what am I gonna do with Sundays? I mean, can he watch the Falcons disappoint me this Sunday? So it's like I no Braves. It's yeah. just like, man, I wish I had something. But yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I mean, I know that um, he's been doing his victory tour through the media and stuff like that. But it feels like, like you said, that's been going on for a month now. Yep, because I thought it was pretty cool that he actually ended up on uh, your station, uh, the Weather Channel, yeah. one of the days last week. So there's literally uh, no channel to say no to when you're the NASCAR Cup champion, I guess. I, I guess not. It was pretty cool. Um, and they geared it toward weather and asked some weather questions. It, it was really cool. Um, they asked about rain tires? No, I wish they would have. I wish they would have consulted me. Cause I was going to say, at, w at what point do like, hey, we really have a super fan over here that knows what he's talking about. Why can't he yeah. get a question in? Yeah, so that didn't happen, but that's okay. It was still, like you said, it's just it was cool to see him, you know, kind of go to all different, you know, venture out in all different kind of media outlets. Yeah, and I saw today they announced that it's Sonoma Raceway in Elk Grove, where he's from in California are going to be holding a parade for him. Now, I don't think it's going to quite get the turnout that Elliot got last year when it came on to Dawsonville, but I still think it's pretty cool for a hometown to want to honor their champion like that. Yeah. Yeah, anytime you can you can go back to your hometown and, and, and celebrate with the people that knew you, you know, like when you were, you know, three foot tall and, and just mm -hmm. now getting far, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, with, like I said, it's only been 12 days, but so much has happened. And I have a feeling like this is not going to feel like an off season at all, given the fact that there's going to be so much testing going on. There's going to be so much news and stuff coming out. We'll get to more of the stuff as far as formats and stuff go later. But the big thing we've been looking forward to really since last week's race ended was this Charlotte Oval test, which happened on Wednesday and Thursday this week. It was going to be a lot of cars from every organization finally going out there and testing on a true oval, you know, that mirrors what the other intermediates are going to be like next year. And I don't know what I was expecting because I think we all expect, I, we all wanted them to go out there and just start running in a pack right away. Right. But it's, it's reasonable to understand why the first day everybody wanted to go out there and do single car runs. So many of those guys were getting in the next gen car for the first time, definitely getting in the next gen car in an oval for the first time. So it's understandable that they wanted to go out there and feel the cars out. What we didn't expect from that first day was the speeds to be so slow. And that, I think, caused the biggest problem of all. And there's a reason why we didn't get as much group and pack racing or testing as we thought we were going to get. Because we have to figure out this speed thing before we do anything else with this car. Yeah. Well, and the cars looked slow. Um, 
and I don't know if it was because I just because like I didn't see the numbers until after they had tested. Hard mm-hmm. because uh, I'd me- I'd mentioned to my dad I was watching it and I was just like it looks slow. Yep. Um, you know, and that's I will say if there's a if there's a again we're so early into this I know this car debuts in less than a hundred days at the clash. Right. Um, there's so much testing going on between between now and then, um, and, and hopefully they'll be able to you know, get it squared away a little bit. Um, but I, I liked your tweet of, you know, this is why you, they should have never have announced a rules package before yep. they started. I mean, cause day one, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. had the big AWS spoiler. And then they, they're like, well, we'll bring it down a little bit, see if we can get some speeds up a hair. So, you know, it's just, it, and that's what the thing with this car is going to be, is it's going to take time. It's not something that I expect us to have figured out this off season. Right. Um, looking at those speeds from the first day where they were running the eight inch spoiler, Ryan Blaney had the top speed of 173.19 miles an hour. And that was uh, just over 31 seconds at a 31.17. For comparison, the last time they had qualifying at Charlotte in the 2020 Coke 600, Kurt Busch sat on a pole with, I think, a 29.80, and I think he averaged 183. So if NASCAR is looking to get these cars back in that speed range, they have a long way to go. Um, trimming down the spoiler to the seven inches, which not every team ran on Thursday, but some did. Um, and I believe the Stuart Haas cars were among those because uh, Eric Amarola ended up having the fastest speed on Thursday. He ran a 30.73 at 175.71 miles an hour. And again, you're turning in the right direction there, but you're still a good seven, eight miles per hour lower than where you were when you were just there racing this past season. So if you're trying to get back to that 180 to 185 range, you got to keep trimming the spoiler down, add some more horsepower or do both. It seems like you can't just not, you, you can't expect, and, I, and teams are obviously going to figure things out and make these cars a little bit faster. I don't think they're going to make up eight miles an hour by the time we get to Las Vegas in the spring. That's un- unlikely to happen. Yeah. Well, it, it's just, it's little gains that they're going to have to make. I mean, and it's not going to be something that you can just completely change overnight. And I don't know when the next test is going to be, but I believe it's Daytona. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to have another mile and a half till Vegas in January, I believe. So it's going to be a little and, bit of time. And they'll go at it. You know, teams will go at the drawing board. I'm sure NASCAR will ask for input from the team, or I would hope they would. Um, and look, we may come back to Vegas be running 200 miles an hour and be like, holy crap, we've got to slow these cars down. I mean, again, it's, you know, this car, it feels like, you know, talk about feeling like forever since Larson won the championship. It feels like forever since they started, like, kind of really getting this car, getting serious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously it was supposed to debut this past season, but was delayed because of COVID. And, and you know, that's one of the things that we've, we're going to have the opportunity to really test. And another point you made about the driver's, you know, just getting into the car and getting comfortable with it. I know Alex Bowman said on Wednesday that he um, never ran full speed or he never ran wide open. Yeah. And I think it's just one of them, you know, you don't, last thing you want to do is pull in Austin Dillon and junk the car sure. when you're trying to get information out of it. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, you mentioned Las Vegas and the test they're going to have there in January. I think we sh all should have learned from the last time they had a big test at Las Vegas prior to 2019 to not read into too much of what you see from the stream or from the video clips that get shared on Twitter. Because we, you know, we saw a train of 20 cars running lap after lap after lap there prior to the 2019 season. Think, wow, this is going to be the greatest rules package ever. It's going to do exactly what they said it's going to do, and it ended up not being that outside of a couple laps. Um, after restarts and the few clips that I saw from the past two days where you'd have a group of cars running together it looked like the second place car could you know gain on the guy in front but at the same time it looked like the guy in front was pulling over to see what it was going to be like behind the second guy so you don't really know you don't know what drivers are doing and like you mentioned there with Bowman not all these guys are going out there and running flat out because they don't want to junk one of the few next-gen cars they currently have put together right now um, right. So it's a learning process, but again, I, I just think NASCAR really should just wait it before saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to do for next year. We're going to run the same rules package with the confidence that it was going to be the exact same because this car is so different." And one unexpected thing that I guess they weren't nobody was taking into account was what's going on inside the car and trying to cool it down because a big reason for having to shave an inch off the spoiler for Thursday was because the car being so hot and the things they were trying on Wednesday changed the downforce around a lot to where the rear downforce from the spoiler wasn't the same because you have the holes coming through the front of the car and through the back window. So they had to change all these things around because of those minor details of just putting a couple holes in the windshield and the back window. So every, you know, any race car is aero-sensitive, but even those small little things can change everything around. So again, it's going to be a learning process, and hopefully we figure it out before we start going to intermediates next year. Yeah, and again, it's just going to take time. Take time, take testing, let these teams get more familiar with the car. And and look, you know, halfway through next season, we could be looking back on this going, wow, greatest car ever assembled. Or we could go, whoa, we got a long ways to go. We don't know. I mean, nobody, I really don't think anybody knows. So I think it's just one of them, just wait it out and see what happens. Yeah, well, it certainly looked like a lot of guys had their hands full with trying to adapt to how this car handled differently without the side force and the body being symmetrical. We saw several guys snap around and spin. You mentioned Austin Dillon wrecking very early on on Wednesday. You know, the team to get the car repaired, and they had him back out there by that night. But, you know, it seems like from what every driver's saying, that if you start to lose this car, there's nothing that, – that broad right side isn't there to catch anymore. You're going to snap around. They're still trying to figure out the steering issues, not to mention a completely new tire and tire – compound and build um so there's a lot of things that are being worked out i was encouraged by um what somebody like ross chastain said where they had about two seconds of tire fall off over the course of a 35 lap run that's great um if you're going to be slowing down that much i think you need to get that primary speed up so that we're not running 150 miles an hour you know by the end of a 35 lap five lap run that would look like they were crawling so a lot to be learned and a lot to be figured out over these next couple months yeah, but overall, my takeaway was very optimistic. I, I mean, I, I think, again, just getting them on track, getting a bunch of cars, getting a bunch of feedback, I think it's only going to help moving forward. Well, and you know, we know NASCAR has been stubborn on a lot of things. And to a degree, I understand why nothing changed as far as the intermediate rules package went over the past three years, because it was a stopgap. It was a placeholder like, hey, this is the direction we want to go. We know it's not perfect with the Gen 6 car, but we're working on it for the next gen car. From what we've seen over these past couple of tests, I'm glad to see they're at least open to changing things, listening to what the drivers have to say, accepting the feedback um, to make sure this can be as good as it, as it can be. Because NASCAR and the drivers all want to be able to put on the best show and make the best product 
for the fans. And I thought it was especially telling when uh, Chase Elliott said, because Chase Elliott has been on the record. He's like, I don't care what the package is. I don't care how fast we're going. Give me a race car. Give me a racetrack. I'll go out there and race. But even he said, okay, if we could, if slowing down is going to make it better and make a good entertaining racing, that's great. If it's not, we need to get speeds up. So when you have your most popular driver who's never vocal in anything like this, finally saying something like this, you need to listen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was surprised that he said something, to be honest, yeah. um, you know, like that. And it was very pointed, too. I mean, it was definitely a, hey, guys, this is what I, this is what I think we need to do. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm hopeful for it. I mean, we'll just have to obviously wait and see. And, um, you know, hopefully the next tech, next, we'll, we'll have four or five more tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll start racing, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. And we've talked about this too. Even when we get to Vegas Auto Club Atlanta for those first couple of weeks, maybe even throughout the first entire season of this car, there's going to be things that are going to be learned. There's going to be things that are going to be tweaked. The teams are going to figure things out. It's going to be a work in progress. Similar to how the uh, Gen 6 car was in 2013. If you go back and watch any of those races, it didn't put on a great show at intermediates. There was a lot of things that had to be tweaked going into 2014, a lot of things that teams learned. And the 2014 project was really, really good. So I think we could be in a similar situation here. I hate to say that you got to wait for 2023 to see good races everywhere, but it might come down to that. I feel confident that we're going to have good road course races. I feel pretty confident the short track stuff's going to be good. You know, we're still working on the super speedways, but those are always, you know, good to a degree. Um, it's just the intermediates that are going to be a big question mark, at least to start out. Right. So, um, but again, that's going to be developing a thing that's going to develop over these next couple of weeks and months as we do more and more tests. Um, but I, I just, I guess to conclude what we've seen the past couple of days, we didn't really learn too much about, uh, what we're going to see next year based off the Charlotte test. No, no. What we did learn this morning was what the race weekends are going to look like in 2022. Um, a little complicated, but after reading over it a couple of times, it's not, it's not as bad as some people are making it out to be now. Yes. Could NASCAR have gone with a simpler format for this? Sure but it's not the end of the world. So let's get into practice and qualifying formats that are gonna be in place for 2022 announced earlier this morning. For one thing, qualifying is gonna be back. Practice and qualifying are gonna be back at every single race with the exception of three super speedways. So the two Talladegas, as well as the second Daytona race, gonna have no uh, no, uh, practice there, only single car qualifying. You're gonna have single car qualifying at every single track with the exception of road courses, which will be split up into group qualifying time sessions, as we've seen over the past couple seasons. Um, Here's where things get interesting. For ovals, you're going to have two groups, which are going to be separated by the finishing positions, odd and even of the previous race. Group A will get a 15-minute practice session, followed by group B. And then it's going to go right into qualifying, where you have group A qualifying, single car, one lap and then group B qualifying single car one lap. And then you're gonna take the top five combined from each one of those, and they're gonna run a single lap for the pole. And the same situation at super speedways, all cars, um, single car, top 10 transfer to run for the pole. And again, as I mentioned, you have group qualifying. At road courses, and we're gonna have the same um, heat races at Bristol Dirt when we go there in the spring. That was a lot, and that's not all of it, but how are you feeling so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just happy qualifying and practice are back. I will yeah. say the only only thing that, like, I didn't understand was they were talking about, like, having a 15- to 20-minute practice. Mm-hmm. 
if you if you're not gonna get seriously, if you're not gonna give me at least one like one happy hour, that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, uh, you know, because like you can't dial a car in in 15 minutes. Well, and I think with how this next gen car is, not a whole lot of adjustments can be made at the racetrack, especially underneath the car because you have the flat pan that can't be removed very easily. So essentially, and what teams have learned over this past two years now is they can go to races having most of their setup done. Now you can still make adjustments during the race and stuff like that. But essentially I think what these mini practice sessions are going to do, and it's going to be 30 total minutes just for up into two groups is it's enough to make sure things aren't wrong with the car. So everything's bolted in, everything's good. Um, you know, get a little bit of a sense of what the tire wear is going to be. Hopefully it's going to prevent us having competition cautions every single week. Cause those were infuriating. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, but at the end of the day, all this boils down to TV because how these are going to be done for the cup series, every practice and qualifying session, the exception of a few, we'll get to those in a second is going to be broke is going to be put into a two hour block. So over the course of the two hours, you're going to have group a practice, have group B practice, group A qualify, group B qualify, and then you're going to have the top 10 run for the pole. That's going to all be done within a two-hour TV window on either Friday or Saturday. And similar to when we had knockout qualifying for the first time back in 2014, it all comes back to Fox, all comes back to NBC, back then ESPN, TNT, because they wanted it to be more of a show, something that people are going to tune in for. Um, I'm glad we're not doing group qualifying everywhere, but again, this is more of a entertainment thing. But at least we have practice and qualifying back. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just you won't complain about that. It, it, it was confusing the first time I read it, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, there are going to be a couple tracks where those are going to have exceptions as far as how much practice is going to be done. Daytona 500 is going to be the one super speedway that does have extended practice. It's going to be a 50-minute session. You're also going to have one 50-minute session at, at the first Atlanta race, of course, with the new track configuration. Bristol Dirt Race, as well as Gateway going there for the first time, Nashville, and the championship race at Phoenix at the end of the season. So throughout the season, you're going to have 50, you know, these longer practice sessions um, sprinkled in there. It's just not going to be the standard. Right. So, again, I'm glad we get some degree of practice and qualifying back. And, and don't, you know, if you don't like this, I, I recommend not pointing your finger at NASCAR because this is a collaboration of NASCAR, the broadcasters, and the teams. because we know the teams don't want to spend more money than they have to. Uh, NASCAR don't, doesn't want them to spend more money than they have to. By having these short practice sessions, by having single car qualifying, you know, you're limiting the need for a backup car at some of these places, especially super speedways. You know, how many times did we go to Daytona or Talladega and wreck cars and practice on Friday or Saturday, you know, before we even got to qualifying? So it's a way to help teams out. And this may only be in place for one year, being the first year of the next-gen car. It's going to be different. Um, but it does at least add something back to the weekend experience at all these racetracks. Yeah. And it gets, you know, it gives fans something to do other than just go and watch the race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Xfinity and the truck series, their practices are going to be a little bit longer, but for the most part, it's all going to be formatted about the same. And we think about, you know, now that the truck series is racing at Sonoma next year, there's going to be no standalone cup series events. So there's going to be some kind of companion race to every cup series event next year. So, you know, you think about on a weekend where it's just Cup and Xfinity, okay, you know, you can have Cup and Xfinity practice and qualifying on Saturday, have the Xfinity race later in the day Saturday, boom, you get your full day there. When you have a weekend of three events like Atlanta where you have the trucks, Xfinity, and Cup, you know, you can run some of the stuff on Friday, run Cup Series practice and qualifying on Saturday, have your races. So we finally get back 
to having these full weekends where if you're going to camp, if you're going to have a ticket for all three days, you do get enough content to satisfy you. Yeah. So um, it's just, you know, a little, a little more confusing than I think people would have liked for it to have been. But similar to when knockout qualifying was implemented in 2014, we're just going to get used to it over time. Yeah, and you, I mean, it's a rule now, so, you, yeah. you know, there's no t- – for the time being so just live with it i guess and again this doesn't mean it's going to be in place forever it may just be in there for the 2022 season it may go back to 50 minute sessions in 2023 we don't know so much so much of 2022 is going to be learning and figuring things out um i just ask people to be patient with it yeah um so this got mixed reviews as expected earlier this morning one thing i saw that got positive reviews though we're going all the way back to next week because we haven't got to talk about this yet is the format for the bush light clash in the la coliseum on february the 6th so this is obviously going to kick off the entire season and when i say nascar nailed saturday night short track racing to a t the format they implemented for this is almost perfect to me yeah it really is. It was, you know, I was, I was questioning going out there. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not with the format they, they put out there. I mean, it was, it's what you want. It, it is, it's local. It feels like a local Saturday night race. Um, so you're going to have 40 vehicles going out there. So all the charter teams, a couple of open teams, you're going to have single car qualifying. Then you're going to have four 10 car heat races where the top five transfer in. Um, then you're going to have a last chance qualifier where six cars transfer in. So the top three from each of the um, last chance qualifiers. And then you have one locked in. Essentially, Kyle Larson is going to be the only guy locked in to the race being the series champion from this past season. Um, but I love the fact that we have heat races with consequences. So Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, you know, these guys, they're not locked into that main event. They have to race their way in. And that means that that's going to create drama in these short heat races. It gives you a reason to tune in. And that's exactly what you need to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously I'm just really interested to see how it all comes together mm-hmm. in the conference. I mean, they're going to put a track in there to me. That's wild. Yes. Um, and this is kind of one of those things, like when you look at the Bristol dirt race where, you know, the heat races are just made to set the field um, and in a chart area, you can't have less than 36 cars. This is an opportunity to do that where you have 23 cars racing the final event. Again, we have big name guys going home with how this yeah. next gen car is, you know, can somebody get in a Rick Ware racing car and go out there and race their way into the main event? Like it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out. Um, and it creates real intrigue for me. Yeah. And the fact that it's literally the first time on track, we'll see all 40 of them. Yep. Nobody telling what's going to happen. There's no telling. No. Um, I, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with Fox though, because the heat races on Sunday the 6th will be on Main Fox, but the main event will be at 8 o'clock on FS1. I, I, I don't get that. No. I guess but my only thinking was if you establish yourself on Fox, you're like, wow, this is awesome. Then you go, you're like, we're going to flip over to FS1. I don't understand it. You should stay on Big Fox. But, like, I guess if you establish that crowd, then they're like, well, who cares? I don't trust people to be willing to change the channel because a lot of times you're what you're coming, you come across something interesting and how many obscure sporting events have you watched bowling, you know, uh, curling in the Olympics or something like that. And where you're, you're interested in what you're seeing, like, Oh, this is pretty cool. And say, Hey, if you want to keep watching it, change over to this other channel. And you're like, not that though. 
and you keep going yeah. or watch whatever uh, ends up coming on after Fox. If some stupid game show or if it's animation domination, I'm going to be a little bit upset because this is a really big event for NASCAR, and I would love for it to be on Big Fox. Yeah, I agree. So at least we got the format right, So, and we're going to tune in, FS1, Fox, whatever it's going to be on. So excited, Ray, to start the season. Um, now that it's two weeks before the Daytona 500, it means the off season is going to be even shorter. So just all the more reason to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more news and notes of things that have happened over these past couple of weeks. You had a couple of uh, crew chief changes that you mentioned, um, the, a couple of key guys going to new places. Yeah, I you know, Noah Gregson has had success and, and Dave Ellens has had plenty of success in the Cups or in the Xfinity series over at Junior Motorsports. He's gonna get the promotion up to the big leagues and he'll be with Eric Jones and Richard Petty Motorsports. I think it's a great move. Yep. Uh, for him, for Eric Jones, um, and, and for Richard Petty Motorsports. And that's the thing that's been really interesting. Another one was Brian Wilson is gonna be Harrison Burton's crew chief over at at Wood Brothers. Mm-hmm. What's interesting how everybody's kind of making these jumps together. Like there's been a lot of movement, but it's because of the new car. There's so much unknown. You feel like learning curve maybe not, maybe won't be as steep next year as it would two years. Yeah. Everybody's going to be learning together. And I think yeah. especially to start the season with kind of how we're at least expecting it to be a little bit more of a level playing field as everybody figures it out. I'm looking for Eric Jones to really capitalize some of these shorter tracks, Richmond, Bristol Martinsville. He's such a good short track racer. And if the equipment's equalized a little bit with some of these teams, I think he could really go out there and surprise some people. I do too. I mean, there were, there were a couple times this year where he ran way better than that car should have ran just and it's strictly because of his talent. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and like you said, you know, one of the big things with this next gen car is it could be the ultimate equalizer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could bring kind of these, you know, mega teams back down to earth a little bit, a little bit closer to these mid-pack teams. And, and you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, if you want, you know, they're, these big teams are still going to find ways to have a competitive advantage. That's sure. going to happen. But if the baseline is the same, then you don't have to work. I don't want to say work as hard to keep, you know, sustain success. But, you know, you kind of don't. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as the season goes along next year, you know, the big teams, yeah, they're not going to be making all the, all the parts in-house anymore, but they're going to figure out ways, the way they hang the body, the way they put this piece in, the way they put that piece in. They're going to find a way to get those advantages over the Furniture Row Motorsports and teams like that are Furniture Row Front Row Motorsports, a little bit of a throwback there. Um, but they're going to find a way to get those advantages back over these smaller teams. But I, I don't think the gap is going to be as big as it's always been, you know, just because and we, we still don't know who's going to go to the 38 car yet. But, you know, whoever McDowell and his team may are, that doesn't mean they're going to be running 25th every week. They might have the opportunity to go out there and run in the top 15, maybe have a top 10 at a non-super speedway or stuff like that. So it's those things that are going to be interesting to watch um, with how this car develops over the course of its first season. Most definitely. Um, speaking of racetracks, as you know, we know NASCAR is now very open to changing the schedule and doing things very differently. A big thing passed in North Carolina, that bill that was funding a lot of the racing industry, um, allocating millions of dollars to several racetracks in North Carolina, has finally been signed by their governor. And North Wilkesboro Speedway is going to get $13 million. And Marcus Smith came out and said, the intent is to bring it back up to standard, 
to hold events and special things at the racetrack. He did not say the Cup Series is going to go back there. Maybe it's only for the Truck Series. Maybe it's for the East Series or something, or Arca or something like that. But North Wilkesboro looks like it's finally coming out of the grave. I, something I never thought would ever happen. Yeah, I don't think 90% of people up until a few months ago really thought that there was a legit chance this could happen. And, and like you said, I mean, Marcus Smith, the man himself, he went out there and said, that, you know, we're not going to just throw $13 millions on this for, for it to look good. You know, yeah. we want this to be a place you can visit, a, a place that, you know, you can race at. And, and I, that, to me, like you, said, like you said, it doesn't mean that the Cup Series is going to run there. Why not, though? You know, I mean, maybe they, maybe they run a midsummer all-star race, not the all-star race, but some, you know, midsummer showdown or something where they take passion. I don't know. It's just, it's exciting. It's very yeah. exciting the track that I don't remember at all, um, clearly. But it, it's really excited the opportunity that is there with this, this track. Yeah, so um, actually, correction, they get $18 million. Sorry about that. Um, Even better. Yeah, Charlotte Motor Speedway is going to get $13 million. Um, what they're going to do with that, I don't know, because it's already a pretty up-to-date facility. They could be, you know, video board on the max stretch, but it'll be intriguing to see what they're going to do with that. Rockingham also gets $9 million. Now, Rockingham is not in the same uh, state of disarray that North Wil Wilkesboro is in, because North Wilkesboro is pretty rough. Um, yeah. Can $9 million get Rockingham back up to where it can be hosting events again? I don't know, but that potential is also there. With the right investor, it could. Yeah. Well, um, and Rockingham is not owned by any of the I – think, I think Rockingham is technically owned by ISC and NASCAR. But, you know, unlike what we've seen with Speedway Motorsports and talking so much about National Fairgrounds and, and uh, North Wilkesboro, there hasn't been many conversations about what's going to happen with Rockingham. But this money going to it could start those conversations up. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Conversations got to start somewhere. Absolutely. Um, and just, you know, when, when you talk about NASCAR trying to save teams money, the logistics of having two tracks within your home state possibly hosting races again, that's great because that's less traveling that these teams have to do. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Um, and, you know, sometimes you got to read between the lines on things to see what's happening behind the scenes. Um, that little letterhead that Marcus Smith did send out today, you know, Speedway Motorsports, it listed all the racetracks. What it did not list, though, was Dover. And yeah. Dover was obviously the recent acquisition last week, literally the day after the championship race. It was announced SMI had, had acquired Dover, um, as well as Nashville Super Speedway, which is operated by Dover. Um, a lot of people thought Dover was going to get the axe when it was bought out by SMI. And the fact that North Wilkesboro was listed on that list and Dover wasn't, not saying it's going to happen, but it's looking like a possibility. Yeah, it, it definitely looks more likely than not at this point. Um, you know what that means? Bowman got another one. Yeah, the curse continues to, to keep going. Bowman, if Dover gets taken off the schedule in 2023, obviously Bowman won the race there this year. We already know Pocono is losing a date. They're going back down to one race there uh, next year. So if I'm Richmond and I'm Martinsville, I'm getting a little bit worried about what's going to happen to my track now. Yeah, for real. If, if, if they decide to get rid of Martinsville, I'm, I'm, I'll have a few words for them. It would take a natural disaster, I think. With, with the push, and I know this will be before your time, there was actually genuine concern in the early 2000s that Martinsville was going to lose a race because there was such a shift 
to running these intermediate tracks, Las Vegas, Kansas, stuff like that, NASCAR was really trying to pull itself away from its short track roots. And mm -hmm. around 2003, 2004, Jeff Gordon literally had to put out a statement defending Martinsville Speedway so they wouldn't stop running there. Now, he's not the reason they didn't stop running there, but it got to that point where he felt like he needed to say something about it. So we've had this big shift in the past 20 years. We're pushing for more short tracks. Heck, we're building a short track in the LA Coliseum to run there in February. So we're going the right direction. Can North Wilkesboro be one of those tracks? I don't know, but I feel pretty confident we're not going to lose any more short tracks. Right. So I just wish we could get the Bristol Spring Race back. Uh, oh, I hate the dirt. Yeah. Um, On a proper dirt track, I'm for it. Don't ruin Bristol. Well, and that's another thing that's been brought up with, with the North Wilkesboro thing is could you turn into a dirt track? It's a small little track. Um, I don't know what repaving it would cost, but I imagine putting it on dirt would be a little bit cheaper. Um, mm -hmm. So, and, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's certainly a possibility, but um, – yeah, I'd love to see the Bristol Spring Race get back because that was uh, – it's been one of the best races over the past couple of years. So yeah. that we've now lost it. And not that the dirt race was this abysmal thing that uh, a lot of people expected to be. It was okay. But I would have much preferred to have the Bristol Spring Race. Yeah, 100%. So um, is that all the news that we had for this week? Uh, no, the only other – or two pieces that I had was um, kind of this this – smoke that dodge is, is going to be the, oh, yes. the the manufacturer to return to the cup series in a couple of years maybe and it, you know where there's smoke there's usually a fire and that's the way it kind of seems right now anyways dodge is trying to be like brett Favre with his nfl career i'm gone now i'm back now i'm gone again now i'm, I'm back again it's okay because, um, of course, they were in NASCAR way back in the day in the 70s. They left, come back in 2001, there for 11 years, leave after 2012. Could they be back in 2024? Maybe so. Um, but it's just kind of like it. Dodge is kind of like NASCAR's ex-girlfriend that they can't let go of. It's like, yeah. ah, feeling kind of lonely. Let me call Dodge back again. Yeah. And if, if there – I mean, obviously, there, there are the rumors that a manufacturer wants to get back in. And my thing is, I either want Dodge or like Honda or something. You know, it's it, it, and I think both of those would be good options. Obviously, Dodge has the history with NASCAR. Why not run it back again? Now, if Dodge does come back to NASCAR, I think that puts a big hole in NASCAR's argument against uh, having high horsepower engines again. Because mm -hmm. you can go buy a Dodge Charger Hellcat that has 800 horsepower in it. Yeah, they're clearly capable of making really big motors. So yeah. it's all like, well, if we want a new manufacturer, we're going to have smaller motors. That wouldn't hold up if Dodge comes back. I'm just saying. Right. No, I agree with you. So, uh, and again, it, we won't get a new manufacturer until we know what the deal with this new engine is. Is it going to come in 2024? Maybe. 2025? Maybe. COVID threw everything off to where, you know, I, I'm glad we're getting the next-gen car next year, but everything else is still up in the air tentative at this point. Right. So. Yeah. Other piece of info I had, well, not info, but I guess news, is um, twenty three eleven finally secured a charter for Kurt Busch. Yes, yeah, so they ended up taking over what is the old Starcom charter because Starcom, of course, ceased operations, and I believe they finished bottom three these past three seasons to the point where, and they were going to sell the charter anyway. But essentially, NASCAR kind of oversaw where that charter was going to go. And, of course, it's in the best interest of everyone to give it to a power team in 2311 Racing for Kurt Busch. 
Yeah. So they finally got their their charter. Obviously, they said that if they didn't get one, they were going to run uncharted next year and mm-hmm. try to figure it out as best they could. But you know, they won't have to do that anymore. And it was one of the things I thought was really weird um, was how quickly drivers and obviously, like you know, for some like Kurt, he's been announced to to 2311 for months now. Keselowski's been announced for. I, well, announced not that long, but definitely been known where he's going for a while. Sure. I thought it was funny in all their new gear. Yeah, you know, Kurt had on the the Toyota on his on his chest. Brad had the the RFK stuff on. It was just it was it was a little weird, but it's amazing how quickly they can get that stuff turned around. I mean, well, literally it, it, racing for somebody else. Yeah, no, it's weird, especially considering the fact that twelve days ago they were with Team Penske. They were with chip ganassi racing usually you know you have the off season you have a couple months and then you know preseason testing of the first daytona 500 practice that's when you're seeing these guys in their new digs with the new teams we've done it in less than two weeks now yeah yeah in in no other sport does that happen and it doesn't happen all the time with with nascar but like you said with you when a new car coming and testing and all that you know you literally one day you're you know for kurt's sake he's one day in a chevy uniform and the next day it's got the Toyota on there so um, definitely a little bit weird to see but I will say too I don't know I don't know if you your opinions changed on this I don't hate the numbers as much as I thought I was going to um, see a little bit more I'm like okay not too bad I'm not gonna hate on it I'll say some teams are doing it better than other ones yes yeah I think I think the GMS number the 94 on Ty, Ty Dillon's test car is looked the best overall for where it's placed, the size of it. They did a really good job. Um, Gibbs seems really content to have these smaller numbers. And I don't know if you saw this. They put out a rendering for Christopher Bell's DeWalt car for next year. And it has a relatively small number on it. So I'm hoping, yeah. is NASCAR going to mandate number size and where exactly it be placed? That remains to be seen. But it seems like these teams are kind of doing their own thing right now. And uh, some of them, I think, have done a good job. Others are a little need a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah, but overall, I mean, if you're going to move them, oh, well. Yeah, um, and I think even some of the designs that we've seen on these next-gen test cars kind of show you what the possibilities are um, when, you get, when, you, when you tailor the design to the number being moved forward. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what we saw like at the All-Star Race last year where they slid the numbers back, that was one week, okay, let's just move the number back and put the logo up front. So there was not a lot of creativity that went into that one, but – you let these designers, and there are several people that I follow on Twitter that do nothing but design mock race cars all day long, have come up with some really good ways of moving the lines and the paint scheme, moving the logos to where it looks really, really good. So I'm going to give these teams off season to figure it out. Hopefully NASCAR comes out with some kind of standard for where the number needs to be and what size it needs to be so we can really start moving forward with it. But, um, yeah, there's been a, it's been a little bit hit or miss with some of these teams. Yeah. Um, but but like anything else, and, and similar to I watched one of the next gen pit, pit stops next uh, yesterday, where they had the one lug nut, and yeah, it sounded different. The gun's a little bit different, but I watched it and I was like, if you would have told me that was not a, fo- a, fo- a, a if you wouldn't have told me how many lug nuts were being taken off on that pit stop, and I you know was just looking at it, I really would have noticed that much of a difference. It's no. not that different. No, it's not. It, I actually think it looks pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as with five lug nuts, you know, you got to go around and hit all five of them. But with the one lug nut, you have to hit it a little bit harder. And you got to hold it there a little bit. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that we're suddenly going to be having 
eight-second four-tire pit stops, that's not going to happen. And pit right. stops can be a little bit faster, but for the most part, it's going to be about the same. And once we get yep. three weeks into the season, you're going to forget it's one lug nut. Yep. Yep. So um, a, a, lot's, a lot's changing, and it's going to take time to get used to it all. But we get to the midpoint next season, we're going to be used to the weird practice and qualifying. We're going to be used to one lug nut. We're going to be used to where the numbers are. We're going to be used to whatever the rules package is going to be. It just takes time. Yeah. And that's the thing. you got to give it time. Exactly. Um, and for all the people that are saying, I'm never watching NASCAR again. The numbers are too far forward. There's not five lug nuts. See you at Daytona. Yeah, for, for real. We're actually going to see you at the Clash on February the 6th. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the, you know, it's nothing's the end of the world. It's, it's just when things change, people resistant to change, change doesn't mean it's bad. Right. And give it a chance. Right. So I'm excited to see how all this plays out over the next couple of months. And as we start the 2022 season. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Yep. Um, well, we'll uh, be back well, next week's Thanksgiving. So maybe the week after we'll, uh, finally hit our awards and uh, see, see who deserves to be uh, rewarded for the 2021 season. Yep. So, all right, for another episode of the SG Podcast, he's Dalton Mullinax. I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.